Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Antonio Rios and Diego Chiarello from La Sicilia Italian Bakery and Cafe coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm going to handle the news of the week and the restaurants of the week by myself. Uh, just to mix things up a little bit, I thought I'd see what that sounds like. Don't worry, the co-hosts aren't going anywhere. They are still a very valuable part of the show and uh, my actual friends in real life, but felt like mixing it up and this seemed like a good week to do it. So topic number one, Chef Chris Williams, the chef owner of Lucille's, announced that he is expanding his operations. He has formed Lucille's Hospitality Group to open two new concepts in Houston and a restaurant in Nova Scotia. I think I'll start by noting that Chris Williams had a very impressive 2020. He kept Lucille's rolling. It remained a popular place uh, initially for to-go and then later for dine-in. And he expanded what he was doing quite a bit. He launched the Lucille's 1913 nonprofit that has served thousands of meals to needy Houstonians throughout the city. He also hosted a lunch between Joe Biden, our president and the family of George Floyd right before George Floyd's funeral. Uh, you know, and that, that is a, a moment that really attracted national attention, obviously to Houston and obviously to Lucille's as the venue for that meeting. So with that all in mind, here's what Chris Williams is up to. First of all, he has partnered with chef Don Burrell. You know her, she's been on the show a couple of times. She was the chef at culture the restaurant downtown. She's a veteran of Uchi and uh, Monica Pope's restaurants. She was a James Beard semifinalist nominee in 2020 for Best Chef Texas. So together with Don Burrell, Chris Williams is going to open late August. That's the name of the restaurant, not the timing of the restaurant. And it will, quote, explore the soul of Afro-Asian flavors. Uh, I'm not quite sure what Afro-Asian flavors are, but again, I think Don Burrell is the person to do it at culture. She had all kinds of interesting, interesting things going on. She had sort of traditional African-American soul food, Southern elements. She also had Caribbean elements, which obviously has a, a tie into, you know, African roots, right? We see the connection between jollof rice and jambalaya, you know, the way collard greens kind of float throughout that cuisine. So you know, I, I feel like I have some understanding of uh, Afro-American culinary traditions. I, I, I don't really know quite what Afro-Asian culinary traditions are. Uh, probably have to have Dawn on the show to talk about some of that. Uh, she's also going to re repurpose her pivot uh, meal kit system or meal kit delivery service as a, a series of pop-ups that are going to preview this restaurant late August. Uh, I think it's also interesting. This is reunites Chris Williams and Don Burrell. They collaborated a couple of years ago on the food apartheid dinner series with uh, chef Dominic Lee and chef Johnny Rhodes. That was a food series uh, devoted to raising money and awareness about local food deserts. So this brings them into a professional relationship. It will be the first time that Don has had an ownership interest in a restaurant. Uh, we don't know exactly where late August will be located, whether that's the museum district, third ward, downtown, wherever we, we don't, we don't know that yet. 
uh, and we know that it will open by the end of the year. Uh, but certainly, you know, you could you could note that there are two black chefs who are collaborating on a new restaurant. But uh, regardless of their ethnicity or their identity, uh, these are two very talented people who have achieved uh, considerable success and media attention for their work. Uh, the fact that they're working together is very interesting. Uh, I think it's safe to say we don't have any restaurants in Houston that are Afro-Asian. And so I think late August is definitely something to watch. And then in addition, Lucille's Hospitality Group will open Ratto Cafe. Uh, that's not until 2022, somewhere in Third Ward. Don't have an official location on that yet either. But it will serve coffee, cocktails, and this is their description, cuisine with a purpose. In addition to the cafe, Chris Williams will open Hogan Brown Gallery, a venue to promote African-American art and artists uh, as a companion to Ratto Cafe. So uh, details very much TBA on that second concept. Uh, we know Third Ward. We know 2022. Uh, we know coffee, cocktails, and food, but we don't know kind of what style of food. Uh, and we know it'll have an art gallery, but we don't know you know, what artists will be displayed or any, anything like that. Uh, but again, uh, big step up for Chris Williams coming off a, a really kind of banner 2020. Um, two new concepts and the partnership with Don Burrell. Uh, it's, all, it's all very exciting. Uh, obviously, late August will be, immediately becomes one of the most anticipated restaurants of this year. And we'll look forward to more information about the menu, a specific location, renderings, timeline for opening, all of that good stuff in the weeks and months to come. Topic number two, Justin Yu has temporarily closed Theodore Rex until May. In its place, he has turned the kitchen over to his chef de cuisine, Caitlin Steets. She will operate a three-month pop-up that she's calling Littlefoot, uh, grounded in French techniques, she'll serve a five-course tasting menu. So yes, that means tasting menus are back at the space on Nan Street that, that used to be Oxheart where tasting menus were the rule. And, uh, but this will be a little different. This is, this, is kinda, this is a chance for Caitlin, who was a James Beard semifinalist for Rising Star Chef in 2020, to kind of show what she can do, right? She spent her whole career... Uh, she worked for Justin at Oxart and now at Theodore Rex. She worked uh, a little bit for Ryan Para. This is, uh, this is her chance to kind of show what she likes to do. And I, uh, I traded a couple emails with Caitlin. And, and one of the things she said is that she's really interested in kind of French, like the, the basics of French techniques, sauce development, vegetable cookery, meat production, uh, she sent me an email. She said, I like nostalgic references of food, maybe obvious and maybe more subtle. Littlefoot should be playful. And I hope you have fun personally questioning whether the food feels familiar or new. Uh, I also traded a couple emails with Justin. You know, he acknowledged that there's sort of a push-pull aspect to this. The, the, the first is that he is spending almost all of his time at Better Luck Tomorrow. And, you know, I talked about Better Luck Tomorrow with Matt Harris a few weeks ago on the show. It was originally very much a bar with a little bit of food. It is much more restaurant, that, that balance between 
or the line between whether it's a bar or restaurant is, is much more blurred now. It has a more robust food menu, a more comprehensive menu. Um, still great cocktails, still a great place to get a drink, but, but Justin has really invested a lot of his own personal creativity into uh, those offerings. And, uh, and, and so, you know, Theodore, like Theodore Rex isn't, isn't a place that he can really devote his attention to. And it's, it's time to tweak it a little bit. You know, he needs to, you know, it opened in 2017. It's probably due for a refresh so he can spend a couple of months to, to think through what's going on at, at Theodore Rex, roll out some new menu items, make some changes to the interior. And in the meantime, Caitlin Seats can do these five course French inspired tasting menus, you know, still with the same farmers and purveyors that, that have supplied Theodore Rex still with the same staff. So you'll recognize all the servers and the cooks in the kitchen. Um, but, but really an opportunity for someone who has been kind of behind the scenes and, and is sort of widely known for being uh, very talented, very up and coming to, to put her name out there and to kind of showcase what, what her thoughts are on food and, and what she's interested in. And, and, you know, even if this isn't, you know, I don't think Littlefoot is going to turn into its own standalone French restaurant from Caitlin Steets. Uh, that's that's not the plan, you know. The plan is for Theodore Rex to reopen, and she will re- remain at Chef de Cuisine. But you know, this gets her a little notoriety, and and maybe you know down the road she opens a, a restaurant, uh, maybe with a French focus, maybe not. Maybe she scratches that itch with this. Maybe she doesn't. Uh, we'll see. But you know, certainly, uh, Littlefoot opens this weekend. Um, I will be there very soon. Uh, I, I know Caitlin by reputation, you know, I know that, uh, Justin respects her tremendously. That's why he trusted Theodore Rex to her. And, uh, I am really curious to see what she has come up with. So, uh, I look forward to dining at Littlefoot and, uh, more than once, I suspect, and to kind of seeing how, how that evolves. And, you know, obviously we're, we're in a little bit of a, a tasty menu moment, right? Hidden Omakase open. Billy Kin is doing uh, 12 courses. Degust open. Brandon uh, Silva was on the podcast recently talking about the eight course menu that he's doing. So if you like that style of dining uh, and you felt a little bit bereft because there, there weren't very many places to scratch that itch, uh, now is your time. And, and certainly uh, between Littlefoot, Hidden Omakase and Degust, you can, uh, you can get your tasty menu on. All right. Topic number three, uh, the ongoing saga of Luby's appears to be drawing to a close in a recent filing with the Securities Exchange Commission. The company said that it plans to wind down its restaurant operations by the end of its fiscal year. That is in August. So, you know, we've known for a while that Luby's was going to pursue this plan of liquidation and dissolution. It has been feverishly trying to sell off its real estate holdings and its restaurants to new operators, but it doesn't seem like there's going to be any sort of uh, firm that rescues the, the actual Luby's cafeteria concept. They, they sold off about 13 of the, the Fuddruckers locations to a franchisee. Those will live on. Burger joints are forever. You know, the burger concepts come and go, but burger, but burger restaurants are forever. Uh, cafeteria seems like it's kind of a dying concept and it doesn't seem like Luby's is going to survive. 
you know, we, you can see just around town that they're, they're closing locations. I mean, the, the post Oak and San Felipe location that was kind of a flagship for them is gone. Uh, we know that's going to become the new location of Kenny and Ziggy's sometime later this year. Uh, there's still about a dozen in Houston. You know, I know the one in Stafford is still open. There's Katie in Pearland in the Woodlands. So, but if you're a, if you're a Luby's fan, if you've got to get that last Luann platter uh, sooner rather than later is going to be your plan. Because uh, like I said, we've known, you know, Luby's has not been a viable business uh, for a while. It's been losing money. Uh, I think it's significant that they also announced that Christopher Pappas, who had been the company's CEO, has resigned. He remains on the board. He remains a, a major shareholder, but he is no longer the CEO of the company. Uh, there had been a filing with the SEC last year that Christopher Pappas and his brother Harris, the owners of Pappas Restaurants, were exploring uh, purchasing the company. I think at this point we can say the resignation means that that is probably less likely uh, that those plans are not going to come to fruition. And so I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a long, slow goodbye for Luby's, but I, uh, you know, if you, if you like that restaurant, if you're, if you're someone like me who grew up in Houston in the, in the eighties and nineties and has fond memories of going there with, with family and friends, uh, now's the time, you know, now's the time to go, go through the cafeteria line, get your, get your chicken fried steak, get your mashed potatoes, get those, uh, fluffy dinner rolls and a, and a slice of pecan pie to go with it and uh, you know, cherish those memories because it's uh, it's not going to be around much longer. All right. That does it for the news of the week. I'll be right back with my restaurant of the week. Stick around. So for the restaurant of the week, I want to discuss Chukai Izakaya. This is Chef Mike Tran's Japanese pub. It's located in Chinatown in the same shopping center as many of his other restaurants. Uh, Maine, the Chinese noodle restaurant, Ishin Udon, own Korean eatery, and uh, Night Market Thai. Uh, you know, I, I have to say, I went to Chukai Izakaya uh, right when it opened. I thought like most of Mike's restaurants, starting with Tiger Den, uh, a lot of good ideas, a very ambitious concept. Uh, they always need a little tweaking. And one of the things I really respect about Mike Trant is that he keeps tinkering with places until he really gets them dialed in. And I hadn't been there in about a year. I think I went, uh, I went like right before the start of the pandemic during that moment when, you know, we could kind of see what was coming uh, we knew that Chinatown was really hurting and, and food writers and media personalities and even uh, political figures like state representative Gene Wu were encouraging as many people as possible to go to Chinatown and support restaurants. Uh, and my last meal uh, prior to last week at Tukai Izakaya was fine, uh, but it, it wasn't maybe as compelling as I wanted it to be. And so I have to say that going there last week for dinner was a really pleasant surprise. It's, it's impressive how much it was firing on all cylinders. Uh, we probably split, uh, me and a buddy probably split about a dozen plates. Um, 
sashimi style plates, you know, uh, salmon, a uh, uh, Thai spice, tamachi dish, uh, skewers, uh, chicken with wasabi, uh, two kinds of beef, a ribeye and a short rib, uh, gyoza, takoyaki, uh, you know, just a, a whole bunch of different things, uh, karage, uh, and really enjoyed all of it. Uh, you know, there was a, a soy, uh, a soy glazed uh, cold duck dish that really stood out. Uh, like I said, that Thai spiced uh, hamachi sashimi was very, very delicious. Uh, and I'm always a sucker for gyoza. I mean, I'll, I'll eat dumplings in just about any form from just about any cuisine. Uh, these were very good. They were crispy. They were hot. They were well seasoned. And, and it just, you know, it reminded me um, how much I like Japanese pubs in general uh, and how good Tukai really can be. I, I really think it was... It was a very, very good version of itself. I, I don't think, I don't think I was recognized. I don't think we got any special treatment. We, you know, no reservation. I didn't, I didn't see Mike there. I didn't see uh, any other employees that I recognized there. We just walked in as, as two normal diners, ordered off the menu uh, and got what we got. And uh, really impressed by the value. I don't think anything was more than any individual dish was maybe more than 10 or so dollars. Uh, the drinks are just ridiculously well-priced. Uh, Toki highballs are six fifty. You can get two ounce bourbon pours with things like Buffalo trace and four roses also six fifty. There's a whole other cocktail menu, but, but really if you're going to sell me a uh, $6 and 50 cent highballs, I'm probably going to drink them. And uh, uh, just, you know, everything comes out fast. It's designed to be, you know, the service was good, checked in, kept everything flowing. Um, we spent about a hundred dollars plus tip and just left ridiculously full. Uh, again, uh, a very satisfying experience, a, a good, a good reminder of kind of what Mike Tran is capable of. And, uh, you know, and also a reminder to me that I, I need to go back to some of those places. It's been, it's been about a year since I've been to Mayan. Uh, you know, I haven't been to, own Korean eatery since it opened. That's due for a revisit. Haven't been to Ishinudan since it opened. That's due for a revisit there. And and just a really satisfying dinner out in Chinatown. So Chukai Izakaya, my restaurant of the week. That's it for that segment. I will be right back with Antonio Rios and Diego Chirello from La Cecilia. Stick around. I am joined this week by the owners of La Cecilia Italian Bakery and Cafe in Montrose. Gentlemen, let me introduce you individually so people can hear your voices. Antonio Rios, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Chef Diego Chirello, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Uh, gentlemen, I don't, I don't usually do this, but I don't, I don't always have couples on the show very often, so... Can we just start with sort of an obvious, how did you two meet? We actually met through a mutual friend of ours back home in New York. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually how we met. <laughs> and here we are almost uh, eight wow. years later, nine yeah, years already. Nine years. Yeah. <laughs> nine years in August. Wow. Okay. So, so let's kind of just start for anyone who hasn't been to 
La Cecilia, how do you sort of describe what it is and what you do? Honestly, for us, we are, we want it to be a homely place. We want everybody to feel welcomed. Um, that's why with the design, we kind of did like an industrial soft design with it. And we just wanted to make sure that when it, you walk in, you feel that that vibe and that energy of, you know, this is a good place to just chill out for a little bit and enjoy the patients. <laughs> I mean, there's just, there just aren't very many Italian style bakeries in Houston that I can think of. They're, they're sort of very common on the East coast and they don't really exist here. Yeah. Which is weird. And that's actually a, why we opened here because we were searching in different places to open in different markets. And um, when we got here, it was just amazing that we could not find any Italian bakeries, considering there's a lot of, I mean, for us, there's a lot of New Yorkers that are down here that yeah. are our biggest clients. Uh, well, we came for vacation because I wanted to visit Houston and my family, of course, my husband's family. And I say, let's go around. Let's, you know, I want to see if there is some Italian bakery here around. And we searched and literally we, we only found like a couple places. And uh, I was kind of, you know, uh, surprised that there is really like nothing Italian, like pastry-wise. Right. So, so just elaborate just a little bit. So, what what brought Houston on your radar? How did you like? What were you sort of choosing between when you when you picked Houston? Well, actually, I'm originally from here. Um, this was not. What I grew up here in Houston um, is not the same Houston I grew up with that it is now. <laughs> it's completely different. <laughs> There's a lot more variety for food. There's as far as, um, you know, it's always been pretty much consistent with baking. So I had been gone for almost 11 years, 12 years because I left and I rarely came back. And my parents kept saying, Houston is changing. You need to come consider this because we kept saying we wanted to open a business we just didn't know where and when we got here this was like a whole new world yeah <laughs> and it was easy for both of us an easy decision and we were like yeah it's gonna be Houston and so it took us a year to prepare to leave New York because I really didn't want to leave I wanted to leave but I don't want to leave you know yeah, you, I mean, you we, never really want to leave New York we were supposed to move to Miami actually Mm-hmm. And open there. In between Miami and Los Angeles. And then after we came down here, because I wanted to come uh, to see Houston and to meet the family, of course, my husband's family. And I'm like, oh, that's actually not bad. You know, I felt like uh, welcomed here. I felt, you know, I had a good, a good feeling about it. Yeah, it was that Southern hospitality. Yeah, and then <laughs> our flame changed. And here we are. Yeah. And it happened very quickly. I mean, it was just, it just felt when everything comes organically mm-hmm. together, it just feels like it's the right decision. And yeah. I'm, and I'm very fortunate and glad that we went this route. Right. And Diego, just tell me a little bit about your career. I mean, where did you, how long have you been baking and, and where did you sort of learn to, to make all these, these cake, these cakes and pastries and, and the vinoiserie and everything else that you turn out at La Cecilia? Well, uh, I've been doing this for almost 23 years already. Yeah, <laughs> I started pretty young. 
So pretty much I have uh, four brothers and everyone is a pastry chef back home in, uh, in Sicily. So during like summer uh, breaks, uh, you know, I was in school. So during summer uh, breaks, I was kind of bored uh, being home and not doing nothing. Uh, and my brothers were like, why not just come with us? You know, just come to, to the bakery. You can help us like cleaning the, the sheet trays or doing some little things, you know? And, uh, and that's how I started. I do not want to do this job at all. <laughs> Because I'm a next dancer and choreographer, and also uh, costume design. Uh, well, that's what I used to do back home. But at the same time, I was working in the bakery um, with my with my brothers, and um, so I worked with them for twelve years, pretty much. And then I decided to move to New York. But I wanted to move to New York because I wanted to be in the Broadway world. It wasn't nothing like uh, about pastries and cakes and all, you know, the Italian specialty. And, uh, but then when I moved to New York, the first uh, job that I found, it was a Sicilian bakery in Queens. And, uh, and, that's how everything started pretty much. I fell in love with my job and, uh, and here we are. I, I didn't go to culinary school. I wanted to say that. I never took any classes. I've never done anything like that. And I just learned because, you know, uh, with experience. I had a lot of experience and of course passion about my job and uh, yeah and you know little by little he has raw so i'm gonna yeah. interrupt you i'm sorry he has the raw talent which is you know something that's rare to find some people go to school and you know harvest their crafts but he just went ahead and he just had the raw talent i remember he kept saying how he wanted to go to culinary school and i kept saying why <laughs> You have such time, you do it on your own. And he ended up going. And I remember we showed the portfolio to the counselor and the counselor told him, she's like, are you sure you don't want to teach here? Because yeah, we your went stuff to is like amazing. Yeah, we went to the store. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. And I was like, you see, this is what I was telling you. <laughs> but the thing is that, you know, uh, in New York, um, at one point I needed to look for a job. And it was hard for me because every, everybody was asking for that piece of paper. You know, they didn't care about my experience. And they, the first thing that they asked me was, uh, do you have a, um, culinary, a culinary degree? Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, I do not. And they, don't, they didn't even care. You know, like, okay, blah, 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 and that's it. So it was hard for me to find a job. Uh, I mean, at one point I was pretty lucky because this chef, uh, Chef Linda from uh, the cafeteria restaurant, uh, she trusted me. She did trust me and uh, she let me try and she fell in love with, with my staff. And that's how I got my, my first uh, job in a restaurant. And from then, from there, everything went up and up and up. I mean, I worked in a few uh, really good places in New York, 
like cafeteria restaurant, the standard hotel, quality Italian, and you know, I really cannot complain about it. Um, and the social know. club. The oh, Italian and the Italian club. social club. Um, that was my last, uh, my last job in uh, New York. It was just a few months before we moved down here, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a special chef position, of course. Uh, yeah, it was hard to leave there because I felt home, and you know, but it is what it is. We gotta think about the future too. And, and Antonio, what about you? I mean, what, did you have a background in the restaurant business before you guys opened La Cecilia? I actually didn't. Uh, my career started in retail and I grew through the ranks. Um, and I luckily that took me pretty far. I was able to work around the world and I have a business degree. So I actually transitioned into corporate office, eventually going into human resources. But my experience comes just from my uh, my family owns a business. So um, that's really where my experience just being in it, because, you know, especially in Cuban families, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. You start working. <laughs> they take you to work with you after school and you go learn, you know, because, you know, I'm the first generation American. And so with my family, it was always no, you start from the bottom and work your way up. And so that's the work ethic that I received you know, just work your way through the ranks until you get to where you want to be. And I did that. And then in New York, you know, New York's, New York's a hard life. You know, it's all um, not a hard life, but everything's a competition. Yeah. And when we got together, I always said, you know, eventually, you know, we need to open our own business. Let's just go ahead and think about this. And sure enough, like I said, everything started coming together. I was ready to leave corporate America. He was ready. He was tired of Working you know, under every, somebody else. yeah, working under someone else and everyone getting their credit. And I said, you know what? It's now or never. So let's just jump in blindly and go do it. And that's what our journey started. We started traveling, seeing where we wanted to open. And like I said, it all came together when I came to visit my family. And I said, you know what? I think this is the place. And then within a year, everything started coming together. I mean, I have to tell you, I'm always so impressed when a couple can work together because I don't. I don't think I've ever been in a relationship with someone where I was just like, I want to see you all day, every day. Yeah. Seven days. It's like, it's like work, see, work is the place where I get a break from you. Yeah. And then I come home to you and I'm happy to see you. That that's, yeah. that's always been kind of that, that balance. For yeah. me. But you know, what's funny is that it has its moments, obviously. Yeah. I mean, nothing's ever perfect when it comes to that, but it's funny, even though I'm in the front and he's in the back, we rarely, there's so much going on that we only speak really quick when we have to. Yeah. And I say, okay, we need this, we need that, we need this, because there's so much going on. And then finally is when we get home, it's like, okay, this happened. Really? When did that happen? That's when we review our day. And it's kind of like, it kind of works for us. Because even though I'm in the front, we just, we have so much going on that we really don't have time yeah. to interact. You know, like, and so our time is when we get home, like every other couple. And it's and that's when we review our day and we're like, okay, so this happened. And, you know, sometimes you're like, really? When? <laughs> we get really so. into, like, uh, into work. Uh, we get so focused that we, like, don't even pay attention, you know, uh, about everything else that's yeah, going on. Right. <laughs> we focus the task at hand, yeah. So tell me a little bit about kind of how people have received La Cecilia because... Like I said, there really isn't that tradition of Italian bakeries in Houston. I mean, did, 
did people sort of get it? I mean, are your, are your customers mostly people from the East Coast? Like, how is it, how have you sort of developed a following? I mean, from my aspect, um, our biggest clients are actual Italians and people from the East Coast. Those are the two main ones. And everybody else just seems to fall, follow. With us, because especially because a lot of the Italians here that are here, we got hooked up with the Italian consulate and they came to try our stuff and started, it spread like wildfire fire everywhere. And so we were very happy about that. Yeah. And then also too, we had the Italian cultural center down the street and they started coming in and it just kept expanding, expanding. And because a lot of the flavors that he uses, we use a lot of European flavors is what he used. And those were the people that, we're like, oh my God, I haven't had this taste in, since I left Italy or, you know, only when I go back home. And the same thing with people from New York. Um, a lot of the cookies that we make yeah. are the ones that you see there. You know, the rainbow cookies, especially those. I love those. They're my favorite. Yeah, you know, it's certain things that you don't find down here. And we were just happy that we could provide that, you know, and just certain foods and aspects that people really fell in love with all over again and finally found a place that they could have it. Because, you know, sometimes when you go anywhere, you know, you're just like, man, I wish I could have this again. And here we are in New York. I mean, from New York coming here and we're like, okay, we're able to eat all this stuff again, you know, especially me. Cause I missed a lot of that stuff. So I know he could make it. <laughs> it was kind of hard at uh, the beginning because not everybody like knows about like Italian pastries, Italian uh, uh, flavors, you know? And it was kind of like, you know, I started making uh, various Sicilian pastries and savory uh, uh, items as well. And it was kind of like, you know, you know, they didn't even look at it, you know? And it was kind of like sad for me. I'm like, I'm trying really hard to bring you know, the taste of home here in uh, Houston. But it's also because, like I say, you know, not a lot of people uh, start, uh, from the South uh, uh, know about the Sicilian, especially Sicilian uh, cuisine. And, uh, you know, so it was kind of like on and off. But now that uh, a lot of people have been uh, um, discovered us pretty much because, Still, until this day, not a lot of people know about us. And uh, so now it's starting picking up a little bit more. I think also, too, it's like with anything, people from the East Coast are used to a certain type of Italian food compared to the South or the West or the Midwest. Um, and so what we were trying to do at first, it was, you know, eventually what worked into our way was, okay, we have to do a little bit of everything that people are used to down here, yeah. you know, because there's a lot of stuff too, especially we're in an American market. They're not going to realize they're going to say, Oh, that's not Italian, but it's like, well, this is yeah. what he has back yeah. home. This is what he makes. And so finally I was like, you know what? We should keep our eye on the ball. Like how we always have just do what, you know, everybody else is going to like it at the end yeah. of the day, because we can't please everybody. We have to do what we know will eventually work for us. Yeah, And sure enough, and I think everybody could see it and taste it, is the love that he puts into the food that he makes. And pastries, I mean. Every, everything we make, uh, it's not like everything 
uh, every single thing Italian, you know, because a lot of people have been saying like, uh, yeah, but that not, that doesn't sound Italian. This is not Italian. This is not Francisco. Yes, I know. I mean, uh, my style is like uh, making fusion. You know, I like to use the Italian flavors with, I don't know, it can be an uh, Asian uh, pastry. It can be an... Um, um, like the Mexican uh, Latin yeah. for, um, taste, you know, like uh, the 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 Mexican one when I made uh, this concha uh, croissant, and uh, we do have the the guava, um, the crunch. the guava crunch, which is a, a, a mix between the Italian flavor and um, uh, uh, Spanish uh, flavor. Um, so I'm, you know, I like to make all this kind of fusion. I like to to make fun stuff, you know. But I always put the Italian flavor in it, and uh, of course we also have the hundred percent Italian pastries like pasticciotti, crostata, sfogliatellas, um, uh, lobsters, cannolis. Of course, uh, that is the, the main <laughs> pastry um and all kinds of things but there is uh we also have some stuff that we do not make for the store and it's only uh, uh, only special orders so we know that it's not gonna sell because not a lot of people know about it so whoever wants it they can just call and you know place an order and that's how we also that's why we do yeah. a lot of special orders because there's a lot of traditional stuff that a lot of people yeah you know want but we know it's not going to work in the big market for us yeah mm-hmm. all right so so what are some of the special order items because i only ever i only ever know what i see in the pastry case when i walk <laughs> in so <laughs> yeah what's uh, off the menu like what am i missing out on <laughs> yeah there is uh there is like this uh savory uh thing that it's arancina which is the rice bowl that you can choose like different uh, fillings inside uh, the beef ragu, spinach and mozzarella, uh, uh, eggplant parmigiana, salmon. Uh, uh, Tastes like different flavors. Cassata, so yeah, the, the cassata cake, which I actually just made it yesterday. Uh, that's a very Sicilian cake. Um, and then uh, the what else? The, yeah, crostatas. Uh, the torta della nonna what else there is so many things <laughs> yeah that you know it's just we, a we, yeah <laughs> we've been trying and you know to push a little bit more but it's always like let's say the last thing that it gets like to be sold yeah because we usually uh, have to sneak stuff in yeah you have to and try that's usually, usually when we sneak things in are on like saturdays and sundays so that way People see it w- among everything else, and then it's something, another thing that's new, and then they're more willing to uh, to get it. And then they're like, oh, okay, that's what I want, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I like seeing the Instagram story pop up on Saturday mornings with, with the pastry. Kids. There's, always like, there's always like 30 different things, and it's like, okay, I am not going to go in there and spend $50. <laughs> But I might, I might spend 20, you know, I might get three or four things. I'll spend 20 bucks. It's fine. I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, you know, you guys do the fig tarts uh, with yeah. the sliced figs and the, the pastry cream. And I, I had someone that was upset with me. I had, I had angered somebody, um, huge fig fan. 
like her, her absolute favorite fruit. So instead of flowers, I went to La Cecilia, I bought a fig tart. I said, look, um, I fucked up. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, please, <laughs> please accept this fig tart as my apology. It, it worked very well. Oh, really? so, <laughs> so I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that they exist. Um, what are, what are some of the things you're doing maybe now that you didn't do in the beginning kind of as uh, people have gotten to know you and have become more familiar with, with what you're capable of? I think like at the beginning, it was for us, especially maybe because it was a little bit, we were a little bit newer at the time. Um, Spoyatels, we tried to push Spoyatels for so long. Until um, I remember a couple of food bloggers started putting it on their blogs. And then that's when it really took off. And I was like, finally, it's it's selling. Um, With the lobster tails as well. Um, The rainbow cookies. That's not really an Italian thing. That's more of a, a North, an Eastern it's thing. A, yeah. And so yeah, that's an Italian American. Exactly. Yes. And, but yes. the problem was, is you know, we make such a big batch, and we were hoping those were going to sell a lot. Now they do. But before, I was the one eating them all the time because it was like, <laughs> okay, these are so I'm going to eat them. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, like I told you, you know, our motto is everything's first come, first serve. Everything's made fresh. So once it's gone, it's gone until the next day or whenever he decides to make it again. Yeah. But those rainbow cookies, you know, were everything for me. So yeah, the same thing with uh, pasticciotti, the pasticciotti, and, uh, crostatos, yeah. the cannoli crostatos. Yeah, it was it was just a lot of uh, different items, and then you know we would try different designs, different um, methods of, of trying to move them until finally everything started taking off. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and then I mean, I've been I've been really impressed, kind of, with your response to the pandemic, you've, you've been very strict about, you know, limiting the number of people and, and maintaining the space. I mean, how has that gone for you? I mean, how have you kind of fared uh, without dine-in and, and with limited capacity? Honestly, we're not going to lie. It's been rough. Yeah, It, it has been rough. I can't, uh, for everyone around the world, but on the first day after the shutdown, which was actually our anniversary, our, our being open, the yeah. day of the shutdown was our anniversary. And that was rough <laughs> knowing that, you know, we just didn't know where this was going to be heading, you know, because yeah, it, it's mean, like, we, okay, we've been open two years yeah. and on the second year we're shutting down. And so we had to scale back, but a lot of our customers showed up for us on that first day. A lot. Like it was a weekend day yeah. and that totally just restored my faith in a lot of things um just for that situation because everybody was going through a hard time and they were like no we want you to keep being here we want you to be here we want to help you in any way we can and let me tell you that took me to another level and we are so amazingly appreciative for that and within that said we had a team meeting and we said okay how are we going to do this? Because at the end of the day, it is us, but it's also people that work there, their families, their friends that we have to think about because it was a pandemic. So if somebody gets infected or something, then we have to shut down. So we tried to be as safe as possible. And I know, you know, I know the whole two rule, two people thing rule really bothers some, but you know, like for us, if one of us gets sick, this place shuts down. (laughs) That's really what it comes down to, you know? And we have to think about, you know, our family, our, especially I have a 90 year old grandmother, you know, so for me, she's been locked up this whole time. 
you know, and not locked up, but you know, yeah, like, isolated, right? Exactly, right. but it, it feels like it. And so I would like to see them, you know, the rest of our family, you know, we've been kind of like, so we had to be distant because we had no choice, you know? So even with them and with our customers, we want to make sure they feel safe too. And even though we have some people that don't like it, the majority of the people always tell us we're very appreciative. Thank you for doing this. You know, we're trying we know it's hard. So that's why I said, we've been trying to just stay within the lanes of what we can until this gets a little bit better. Because like I said, we are the business. It's just us too. So if something happens, we have to shut down yeah. no matter what. And after that, and that's what I'm trying to avoid. Happen. Exactly. Yeah. So we just want to make sure that we're still around for people because people have shown up for us. Our customers yeah. have shown and up for us on so, so many levels. So grateful. Yeah. And I wish y'all could see my hands right now, but thank you so yeah, much. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> yeah, the pra pra uh, pra praise hands emoji. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you, emoji. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, all right. So you've made it to year three. Uh, I mean, what would you like to accomplish over the next year or two? I mean, do you, I mean, do people approach you about a second location? I mean, do you? Yes, we have, we have, yeah, we've had many offers and a they've been, people, yeah. they've been, it's been very tempting. Um, but for us, as much as I want to do that, I want to make sure that we keep growing and evolving as well as make sure we're 100% solid before we go to that next location. Yeah. Because, you know, open another location, it's a whole new set of, um, I don't want to say problems because, you know, there's always yeah, solutions yeah. to stuff like that. But it's a whole new world at that point. And so I want to make sure that everything's running 100% learning from every mistakes that we're doing here. So that way that doesn't get applied to the next location. And so within probably the next couple of years, that's, you know, where we want to go is open a couple more stores, keep evolving, get the, the pastries and the food just at 100% level, because I want to make sure that we bring the quality of service and food to the next location yeah the quality of the food it has to be it's the same exactly like the first location yeah you know whether you're here in the woodlands or in katie or this that the food's going to taste the same everywhere you go you know and quality for us is 100 yeah that's the top priority always no i mean as it should be right i mean that's what's yeah i mean that's what's made you so successful yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> we try i mean it's a funny sort of thing because i you know, you, you haven't gotten a lot of media attention. And, and I say that as someone who's responsible for, for giving that attention to people. <laughs> um, but anytime I, I post it on Instagram or, or, you know, I've talked about it on this show, I've talked about it on Houston Matters, Im immediately the response is, oh, I love that place. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, may not, it may not be growing quite as quickly as, as you would have liked or, or would have anticipated, but it it does seem like the word is getting out and, and like maybe just even over the last few months, like, yeah, it seems like it's maybe gone up a tier where I've started to see more and more people going there. Exactly. Yeah. That's how, that's exactly how we feel. Um, thank you for the power of social yeah. media <laughs> and people <laughs> like you that have spoken to us uh, about our place and, and helped us along the way. And like I said, you know, what we appreciate is, you know, just the social media effects. We try to post as much as we can 
and also a lot of food bloggers. We have people that just come in just to take pictures yeah. of the items. I'm like, well, you don't want to get anything? No, we just love the place. We just want to get the pictures yeah, first. That's fine. You know, and we're like, all right, you know, yeah. you, we, we're all about it. You know, And honestly, it's been a lot of word of mouth. Yeah. You know, because even before all this, we were doing catering for a couple of companies, you know, when we were trying to get our feet wet and friends and family would be like, oh, can you cater this for this? Can you cater that? You know, so people knew that we were coming within that year. And that really helped us a lot, yeah. you know, and we got a lot of clients from that that we still work with, as well as, you know, once we opened, it was just running at mm -hmm. that point, you know, making it work and really getting that word of mouth out there. And it really helped us. So I, know, I, <laughs> I also remember when this girl came in, uh, she she grabbed a couple of stuff and uh, she pretty much took a couple of videos and she posted on TikTok. Hmm. We had no idea about this this video. And the next day for a whole week, I'm like, okay, so what's going on? Because a lot of people show up a lot. And it was like on a Wednesday, it almost looked like there was a Saturday. It was a weekend. I'm like, okay, so what's <laughs> happening? And then his sister, she sent us on a WhatsApp the video. And she's like, uh, do you guys know about this? I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. That's exactly why, you know, all this happening right now. And a lot of people came and they were like, oh, my gosh, yeah, we saw uh the video on tiktok that's why we're here blah 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 i'm like yeah everybody wow. kept posting tiktok videos and i'm like yeah. what's going on with this tiktok you know because yeah. i'm not that good with social media i i decided i'm i'm too old for tiktok I, i'm not i'm not getting in it but but who do you remember who it was i actually not off the top of my head not right now i don't yeah. i haven't okay. actually saved i actually have to look for that um but we do see her every once in a while. It's been a while, a couple of months since the last time we had seen that, seen her. I mean, and so we're hoping to see her again. So yeah, we, we actually tried to reach her out, but we never, uh, you know, yeah. to say thank you or just you know to give a box of uh, baked goods and yeah. stuff. But you know, we do everything pretty much. We got so busy and we didn't forget about it. But it's just you know uh, she got lost pretty much. <laughs> And we cannot even find it. So if she's if she's listening, yeah, if she's we're here. listening just show up to me and something for you. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that video got posted a lot and everybody kept telling us about it. We were just like, oh my god. But like I said, we're always the last to know. When we won Best Baker in 2020, we didn't even know. We we're like, man, it's super busy today, you know, for like being a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah. And then some uh, gentleman calls me and he's like, hey, we want to go ahead and send you the plaque for the best bakery. I was like, I'm sorry. Wait, I think you have, what? Like, what are you talking about? And he said, oh, yeah, you want best bakery. And I said, we did. <laughs> and, like, and then yeah. after that, we get a call from the actual person that wrote the review. And we were like, Press. yeah, the from Houston the Houston Press. Press. And we were like, oh, my God. <laughs> and it was uh, it was actually like uh, in uh, February, I think, or March. January, right no, at the, big, the January, right now, at the yeah. beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, so, so it was like, wait, what? And then after one week, because the first one it was uh, best Italian bakery in Houston. Then after one week, we got the, the best one, baker, the yeah. best bakery yeah. of all in Houston. Like that's a joke. I don't. I, I mean, you, we. I've never like it was like they like us. They really, yeah, really like us. <laughs> just crazy. I mean, all this happening right now. I think they made a mistake. No, that's right. That's funny. 
that was just like another for us saying yeah. okay we're on the right path yeah we're doing what we wanted and you know and that's why we say we're thankful because we could we're you know we work long days and it's exhausting but then we have stuff like that or just on saturday morning that's actually saturdays and sundays are my best times to be there because the place is just so alive with people and people just it's like you know especially now just waiting in line and i'm like they're waiting for us and i'm so thankful for that because yeah. i'm happy to see that i'm happy to see people that really genuinely enjoy our stuff and are excited to come in there to for, try our products for christmas day it was a christmas i think it was christmas day that it was really cold and it was raining yeah. and there was a line outside they were waiting for to get in and that's you know you know when you when i open the door uh of the kitchen and i see that it makes me like it warms your heart yeah you know? it does it's like okay so it means the we're doing something good, you know? So, and they appreciate it. And we appreciate that, you know, they're showing up. So it's, you know, it's a it's good, a good feeling. feeling. It's a good feeling. <laughs> All right, well, gentlemen, I have to say that that does bring me to the end of my questions, unless you had something else you would like me to ask you about that we haven't discussed yet. No, I think we pretty much covered, <laughs> yeah. covered, you know, like I said, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Yeah. We really appreciate that you guys are liking our stuff and I hope we continue to bring you more stuff and if we're more items here, that you want yeah. or you need or, you if know. If we're, we're still here, it's thanks to all of you guys. Especially during the these difficult times. Yeah. The, uh, you know, they've been supporting us a lot, big time, and we can be we can only be like you know grateful and always keep in this. mind always keep in mind because we say this a lot so i figured to your your big audience we could say this everything is first come first serve we make everything fresh every day so you want it come get it early <laughs> oh there is another thing that i wanted to say that i just wanted to say that um yes i'm italian 100 percent italian and now you can also hear my lovely accent <laughs> a lot of people being like uh we want to meet the chef uh is it italian and why is not is never out here uh is it are you sure there is italian yeah because we have you can hear it in his accent like, now oh, yes. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yes i am <laughs> all right well before i let you go we have to play the lightning round five easy questions five short answers just say the first thing that comes to mind Antonio, let me start with you. What is your what is your favorite item in the La Cecilia pastry case? Rainbow cookies. <laughs> Diego, how about you? Um, I don't, I don't have a favorite one actually. <laughs> they're all his favorites. Yeah, they're all my favorites. <laughs> all right. I make what I like to to eat. So Fair enough. Not. Fair enough. Antonio, what's the first band you ever saw in concert? Oh, Lord. Um... First band would be Maroon 5. Diego, how about you? I've never been a concert. I know, I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Um, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Taco Bell. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have a favorite Houston sports figure? No, I don't. I'm not a sports person. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, when you when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, 
what are what are your toppings? What do you what do you get on your pizza? I'm pretty plain. I just want pepperoni with a lot of cheese and the grease just falling, just like back home. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is fresh mozzarella, prosciutto, basil, and tomato sauce. Of course. All right, <laughs> gentlemen, give me the uh, give me the website and the social media for La Cecilia. So it's um, the website is lasceciliausa.com, and it's the same for um, Facebook and, and um, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you thank so you, much, Eric. Eric thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having us. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.